To your family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior who churned his face like flint toward Jerusalem, taking upon himself the sin of the world. Yes, for us and our salvation. Amen. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. These opening words from the gospel according to St. Matthew are at the very heart of our Christian faith and our theology. That is the death of Jesus. As St. Paul witnesses in 1 Corinthians, Christ crucified is foolishness to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews. And yet in all of its endings, Christ's death has created an everlasting beginning, putting sin and death to death for us and our salvation. Now note that in that very first verse that you heard this morning in verse 21, there's one simple yet very profound word. That word is must. As Matthew accounts from that time on, that is, just after Peter's revealing confession that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, that he is the Christ, Jesus begins to tell the disciples what being the Messiah, the Christ, truly means. It means that he what? That he must go to Jerusalem, suffer, and be crucified. And here the divine plan of humility, the must of Jesus in verse 21 there, comes into a sharp kind of conflict in the very next verse where Peter says, Lord, this must, must, must never happen to you. I mean, you're the Son of God, the Messiah. Nonetheless, there's no waffling here. There's no backup plan. Rather, there stands Jesus, clear-eyed and embracing of this must of what will be a tragic future. Psychiatric studies of Jesus upset us with phrases like death wish or having a martyr complex. But even more so, more disturbing, is St. Matthew's way of putting it. Jesus must go. He must go to Jerusalem, suffer, and be killed. So how are we to understand this word must? He must go. What is the source of this must, this sense of urgency or necessity? Is it maybe coming from the will of God? Harsh as that may sound, there's a way of reflecting on the death of Jesus. As the suffering servant, the crucified Christ, as Luther would say, that properly describes it in precisely those terms, for us 
and our salvation. Now, if we read the Bible carefully, we begin to see something that's very, very countercultural and very counter to our human ways in the world or expectations. Yes, strange as it might seem, the biblical witness, especially in the Old Testament, is that once an event is completed, the result of that event is understood as having been the purpose of it from the very beginning. Even after a tragedy, the biblical writers witnessed that it was to be so from the beginning. For example, think of the prophet Jeremiah from our first lesson who ended up prophesying to deaf ears, hardened hearts, and churned backs. He wrote of it later as a necessity, a must, that had been laid upon him by God from the very beginning. He writes, from my mother's womb, in fact, then goes on to say, there is in my heart a burning fire shut up in my bones to proclaim God's word, and I cannot hold it in, for it is my destiny. Or again, think of that beautiful scene in Genesis, the close of the Joseph narrative in Genesis 50, verse 20 where we see Joseph reconciling with his no-good brothers who'd sold him into slavery as a young boy. And yet Joseph says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now there's 50-20 hindsight. Jeremiah said he must prophesy. Joseph said he must forgive. Jesus says, I must go to Jerusalem because of God's will, God's call from the beginning. Now, these are very strange words, and quite frankly, we don't like them. They seem to put our treasured freedom of choice at risk. Hmm? Well, don't go if you don't feel like you must won't do you any good if you go because you must or you think you have to. Have to? Must? That's the lowest motivation in the world, just have to, have to, have to, or you must. You must do this, you must do that, right? But have you ever taken time to think about, to think about the greatest achievements in the history of the world that have come from people who had to do what they did. St. Paul, the great missionary of the early church, sick and in jail most of his life, and yet preaching the gospel on two continents, wrote half the New Testament, was always on tiptoe, going, going, going. And you say, Paul... How? Why? And he says, if I preach the gospel, it's nothing to brag about. I must. God has called me. Or more recently in our time, think of Madame Curie, 
the iconic pioneer in science, isolating radium that led to the incredible advances that we now so enjoy and appreciate in medicine. Those frostbitten hands of hers out behind her home in this bunker of boulders behind her home in order to try to isolate this one necessary element. Stepping out there, ask her, Madam Curie, having a good time? Isn't science fun? I mean, working with radium, she must have been all aglow, right? Must, have to. You see, in our culture, we don't say these words. What we say is, is it fun? Do you make much money from doing it? Will my friends be there? Maybe our resistance to must and have to accounts for the poor record. We have individually, or like many a church in terms of effectiveness, in making much of a difference in God's world. For you see, so many of us are always concerned about retaining options. You know, well, maybe I'll think about it. Maybe, maybe not. But what's the difference between maybe and maybe not? Ends up being nothing, right? No assignment, please. No commitments. Don't want to be boxed in by obligation. However, as long as we spend our energies protecting all of our alternatives, keeping them alive and well will achieve very little. Maybe, maybe not. This truth came home to me this past Friday afternoon as I was honored by an invitation to attend the deployment ceremony for our 196th MEB of the South Dakota National Guard that included two of our members of First Lutheran Church, First Sergeant Will Hangman and his daughter Taylor. They'll be serving our country as well as the people in South Africa over the next 10 months. And I know Will well, well enough to say that his service and sacrifice grows out of a deep sense of what I would call the categorical imperative of faith, of must, not some maybe. Will lives the Christian liturgy of worship. It is our duty and our delight in all times and in all places for us and our salvation. My friends, this is the very highest motivation we can have in life to be called by God and have our destiny in Christ, in His death and resurrection. I must do it. Why are you helping those kids? They're not your kids. I must do it. Why are you repairing her house when the paint is peeling off of yours? I must do it. Just to know one person like this, to see the old man among the pigeons at Falls Park and befriend him, spend time with him, 
why are you doing that? Is he like your grandpa or something? That doesn't make any sense. No, he's not? Well, that's weird. I don't see any fun in that. No friends, no money. What's the point? No, I must. I must. My friends, if young children, if young people could find just one model of the faith like this in their life, to be this weird. It's one of my prayers for First Lutheran that our children especially would come to know in their lifetime at least one person who's a mentor in the faith like this, this must person. At least one person who goes about doing what they must because they know the sacrificial love and call of Christ. Not only a have to, but if you go even deeper down, that springs into, I get to. Hmm? And so Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever would save their life will lose it, and whoever would lose their life for my sake will find it. Now please, let's be clear here. We don't choose the crosses we bear. It's not necessary to go out looking for them. In fact, that's rather foolish and vainglorious of the highest order. Take up your cross can only come about in first following Jesus. To proclaim his name, his cross, his resurrection for whoever loses their life for my sake, says Jesus, will find it. A closing story. I'll never forget the day that I first met Stella, Stella Oniker. Now, some 35 years ago in my first parish, she was delivering quilt tops to the church for the quilters. Like Celia Copplestone in T.S. Eliot's play, The Cocktail Party, surrounded by so many self-serving maybe people in our world, Stella lived the must of mission. A concern for underprivileged children and single mothers found her seven days a week zipping all over town in a beat-up old VW van delivering food, sitting on the school board, writing letters to Congress, pounding nails for Habitat for Humanity. At 80 years young and 90 pounds dripping wet, her friends were always telling their frail little friend, Stella, slow down. Rest a minute. It's going to be the death of you. Well, Stella had a marvelous response that I was privileged to hear. She said, well, ladies, then I'll have eternity. And eternity is lots of minutes. To others, Stella may have looked burdened. But for her, her joy was in knowing that her ministry to children was more important than how she happened to feel on any given day. For you see, the really burdened person is the one who's trying to decide, would you like fries with that? With those mundane 
matters of the world. But as children of God, as His disciples, you, yes, every single one of you, as children of God, have a must-filled meaning for life. Hear again God's word for you through the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. My friends, here's the story of how our salvation begins. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed and be raised. Must. Christ's word of must that embraces those two central letters in that word. That's us. Embracing us this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen.